Every doctor is concerned about your vital signs, but a good doctor cares about your overall health. Your website deserves the same care, and Hey Check It is here to help. Hey Check It is a website performance monitoring and optimization tool. It goes beyond just core web vitals to give you a full picture on how to optimize your website to give your users a happy experience. It includes AI-generated SEO data, accessibility scanning, and site speed checks with suggestions on how to improve and a number of various other tools to help you. Start a free trial today at heycheckit.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Software Social. Um, Colleen and I have a friend joining us today. Um, We have Josh Ho here with us. Uh, Josh is founder of Referral Rock, which is referral software. Uh, They've been around since 2015, um, also in the North Million ARR Club, and have 16 employees. Um, And Josh is also co-host of the podcast Searching for SaaS, which is actually kind of a similar uh, concept to our show with a, a sort of an experienced entrepreneur and then and somebody who's transitioning um, from consulting. Um, so welcome, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been a longtime listener and obviously have known you two for a while and are definitely our podcast that Nate and I have or was totally inspired by you guys. So it is extremely similar, but we've sort of diverged and done different things since then. But the concept was totally the same. So we're so excited to have you here. So about, gosh, what was this like a month or so ago when we were uh, chatting with Twitter on everyone about like, what what should we even talk about on this show and what do you find interesting? Um, something that came up was people were interested to hear more about some of the challenges and struggles and operations of running um, a larger business. Um, and so we're going to kind of dive into one of those areas today, which is something that I spend a lot of my time on actually more time than I do customer research, which, um, is, is sales. Um, and we're specifically going to talk about enterprise, uh, sales since I feel like that can be kind of this, like, uh, I don't know, sort of like a scary topic for people to think about. Um, and so we thought it'd be kind of interesting to sort of talk about how you do sales, how we do them, and then uh, Colleen can kind of ask us questions about it. Does that sound good? Sounds great. So can you just like give us a sense, like in a, like like how does uh, an enterprise deal for you usually start? Like, are you guys doing cold outreach at all? No, we don't do any cold outreach. And Maybe it would be helpful. How how do you define enterprise sales? Because I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing as well. Are you talking about like like size of customer, size of kind of deal, or because like we do all kinds of sales, and I would segment a certain area that I consider more enterprise than are some of our other types of sales as a SaaS business that has like the two three plan normal thing on the pricing page plus the ask us <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, I guess I define it, and this is a good thing to define it because people define it really different ways. For me, it's when there's a custom contract involved, um, which usually means it's at least $10,000 a year, but usually a lot more. Um, I know, you know, if, if you're talking, you know, venture back startup, like enterprise deal is like, you know, minimum $50,000, dollars 
we're not usually in that range. Um, most of our what I what I term an enterprise um, agreement, which is you know when you're dealing with you know five different departments on the customer side, they're a huge company. You're doing extended contract negotiation. Like there, there's you know it, it's not just somebody goes to the website, clicks it, and buys it, and then they use it. Right there, there's more involved on our side, um, and usually those are in that ten to fifty thousand range for us for annual revenue. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. So when I classified that, so it is that ask us or it's outside normal rails of the the quick, you know, click to buy, uh, click to subscribe, that type of stuff. So yeah, that makes yeah, sense. exactly. Oh. It's like not self service, basically. There's something special that has to go on. Sure. So yeah, to answer your first question, we we don't do outbound. So um, we do all inbound. Um, we have a strong SEO footprint. So we a lot of inbound requests that fall into two camps. Um, we usually take them if you these are quote unquote are like lead magnets. You can either sign up for an account or you can request a demo. Um, at this point in our life cycle, we are. We attract people onto our site, and then essentially there's like a 50-50 split. We kind of we have a, a a philosophy on it now, which is saying like let a buyer buy how they want to buy, <laughs> um, because you typically see product-led growth, like everyone funneling people to you know trials or to sign up. But we try to clearly say you have two paths um, because once someone determines that they do want to talk to someone, you know, it can easily get into the enterprise space, or it might just be like you were saying, a person that requires more of a relationship based sale where they are talking to uh, have their internal champions, they need to convince, they still need to go through procurement and all of those things. So for today, we can mostly talk about once they get into that demo track for us. Um, and what happens is they can for us some of those customers can fit into a standard offering so like our it might be a $800 a month a $1200 a month type of thing usually paid annually um, and on the first level we sort of try to standardize bits of it where it's like and, and we can probably get into more detail of this is, is it our contract or is it their contract that's like usually the first type of thing and usually if it's a scoped plan we try to keep them and and a regular price plan that isn't like, hey, I have, you know, I have a million people I want to add to your platform versus the fifty thousand or the hundred thousand kind of ones that are a little more standardized. Interesting. So you actually you will start out at the point of using their contract because, like, oh I mean, no, 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 we we yeah. we start with ours. Sorry, we okay. start with ours. Because like I'm, I'm like we can I can think of like I, I mean I can sort of count the number of times we have relented and used the customer's contract with an extensive um you know addendum and scope of work on our side <laughs> right yeah. yeah we try to keep them on rails of our stuff as much as possible right like whether like first level one is just click checks to our checkbox the checkbox that says i agree your terms of service <laughs> on our website uh, level two is like our standard contract um, and then level three is like, they might have some alterations to our standard contract to which we already know and scope, like these are the things we're willing to bend on. So it's almost, you have to build in or, you know, what stuff you're going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you that one <laughs> type of things. Um, and then 
yeah, level, I think I was on level three. <laughs> level four is, okay, their contract. But it is, like you, I, that has only happened a handful of times over the course of our uh, of our existence. So we And we fight, like, a lot, try to keep it in our other stuff just to make it just fast through because we don't have a large team. We don't have a, I don't want to waste, you know, half of their contract on lawyers to try to sort this out or get myself into into trouble agreeing to something that I clearly don't know and I might have to use a lawyer just to understand what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, actually. It sounds like our sales and, like, purchasing process, is it's, like, really, really similar, right? Because, like, we are also entirely SEO-based. We don't do any outreach um, everything is in, it's entirely inbound. And then, yeah, that first level is, you know, can they, can they click to accept the terms on the website and use an off the shelf plan and, you know, pay with a credit card? Like, great. Um, and then we sort of go to the next level of, okay, maybe they need the contract, but they don't need any modifications, but okay, they need a contract, but then they do need not modifications. Um, and then, yeah, getting sort of more complex as you go. Which I, I feel I don't know how common that is. Like I feel like it's maybe sort of a, I mean it's definitely a, a very like company of one style approach where we're trying to make the process as efficient as possible, and where our goal is not you know maximizing the revenue from every customer, but it's like how can we you know get people to something that works for them, that doesn't take up too much time and resources on our end, so that we can you know get more customers. It's very much sort of playing a volume game rather than one where you're you're trying to to maximize revenue per customer yeah i'd agree with that it's just i've even though we are you know what are we 16 people or so or more than 15 at this point um it's mostly because it's a diversity of skill sets versus necessarily like hey i've got like all these people working for me it's it's because we have like a customer success area we have people dedicated to content marketing. We have, we do have salespeople um, and we do have, you know, developers and product management and, and QA, things like that. So there is, it's more of, for us, that size of company stuff is more about like clearly dividing roles and actually having some specialists because um, I can't, I, in, the, in the early days I was doing it all. And then the way our business scaled was through, okay, I need to add add people to this. Uh, we aren't, um, as as I would say, like, I know you're at API-based type of things, but there's, and there's probably an immediacy to the value someone can get with using your service. For us, it takes more onboarding. It takes people to set up a campaign, set up a referral program, set up their rewards. All of those pieces require a lot more handholding. And some people come in thinking, oh, I'm just going to click this and start. And it's like, well, oh, you want to set a reward? Oh, the reward? your good rewards actually like resonate well with your customers. So it may not be $5 off or a, uh, you know, or like a discount or something like that, but it might be like a mug. It might be swag. So like helping people kind of understand how to use it. So there's like a longer track in there um, that, that requires more people to be involved. So we tried to keep it as tight as possible back to like the contract everything knowing we're building a SaaS and building it for the long haul um i'd say right now it's everything about like how can we scale it how can we make it less complicated so then as we do add customers we don't necessarily have to add staff in addition to it so 
we've been pretty diligent on forcing forcing functions into our contract. Oh, yeah, that's great. You want to throw money at us, but you know what? That's not what we do. We don't do custom dev. I'm sure you get asked those questions too. Like, oh, we can add this, yep. uh, we can add, I don't know. No custom dev um, ever. Yep, exactly. So it's like we push back hard and I'd rather continue to build a product. Um, and I heard this from Sh- Shopify's approach too, if you've ever heard. Um, there was a great podcast they did a while back that I listened to. Like they only recently got SOC 2, like almost like within the past year or two. And I was like blown away by hearing that, especially from an enterprise standpoint, because they, uh, but their philosophy was like, okay, great. We're just going to keep building the better product and to make it so that the internal champions, like we're the only option for them. So it's like they could jump through hurdles over SOC 2, over contracts, over things like that, because they just made a strong, they're like, you know what, we're making a almost a philosophical decision that we're not going to jump through your hopes, you're going to jump through ours. <laughs> and we will sacrifice the dollars that could come in, and that's okay. And it took them, I don't know, however many years before they actually got like SOC 2 compliance. And it was like, they only did that last year, and like, I'm considering that, but I don't really want to at all. Like, that just seems like a a big waste of time or a big like headache. And I'm like, well, could we pull that off too, where our stuff is so good or is so much aligned that the internal champion is going to battle the lawyers inside, battle their bosses and things like that. So that, oh, well, just make an exception for these guys type of thing. Yeah, I think I think so far for us, when SOC 2 has come up, we have been able to, you know, have, have the champions help us get around it, whether that's because the it's funny sometimes you see those things in contracts and it seems like it's a really hard requirement and then you just reach out and you're like oh we we don't have that and they're like oh it's fine i'm like what like this sounded like it was like completely a no-go without sock two and then now you're saying it's not important or when it actually is important um then you know talking about alternatives like you know doing on-premise or something like that when it's you know which which tends to obviate a lot of the, those concerns. So I would love to hear how your sales process has changed from in the early days, six years ago, where you were doing everything to how you handle those requests now. Okay, sure. Yeah. So if I track back all the way to when I was doing them, it was it started out with me having no idea what sales was. <laughs> so it uh, started out with me just thinking I was all I was doing was helping people on like chat support, and then I'd be just frustrated and annoyed because they would, um, it, it would just I'd be sitting there like typing back and forth, and I'd be typing while they're typing, and you're just like I just want to show you versus trying to have this asynchronous chat conversation. So it started with me just being like, do you want to just share, do a screen share? Um, I, I think this was predated Zoom a bit, like where Zoom was prevalent. It might've been like, oh, let's do a WebEx or something. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but we, we'd get on a call and then I'd basically kind of help them. Um, so that was like very early stage one, just still having people come in inbound, still using the app. Uh, and once I started talking to people, I kind of got, oh, there's a lot of other questions. And um, they also figured out they did need the manual help and it wasn't just something that they could just sign up the app for. So, and quickly after I realized how many more people were buying after I talked to them and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's that's interesting. Now they actually know more about what we do and how to set it up and all of these things. And oh, lo and behold, it's like half of the people bought. It's like, oh, 
I got to talk to more people. It just kind of was this natural ergo, uh, I want more sales, I should talk to more people. Uh, so that was that that base level finding. And then uh, I went through trials of trying to find salespeople. I won't divulge too far into that side of the story, but eventually we I found someone that joined me and this is like after post revenue, we were doing well enough to pay for myself and, and pay for a couple people. Uh, and I brought someone on essentially to like slot in, into that, into that spot. So I had a, an early, uh, I, I would call him like a partner now, not quite. If you go by strict definitions of founder, you know, he, he probably joined about two years after, um, I started. So this was 2017 and, um, he kind of took that over and level one was just slotting in and doing what I was doing. Um, and then taking it further because he could be full-time on it. So he was doing that. He spun up our customer success area because naturally once people bought, then it's like, okay, they need onboarding and support and all of these pieces. Um, and then over time, um, we grew that to, to have, you know, like two salespeople under him as the inbound engine kept going, as we kept building out more SEO and trying to do what I call, uh, like being in the conversation. I think you and I have talked about that before from a market standpoint. Um, and now up, if we're speeding up now toward now, uh, like we talked about that whole, like letting buyers buy how they want to buy. And we started uh, as our product improved, we could start steering more people directly to that, to that split between starting the product or start to talk to someone. Um, and since then we have also added another layer of type of salesperson where we pulled from our CS team who is extremely experienced with onboarding and actually just from a resource constraint perspective, we're like, Hey, these are really helpful people that know a ton about programs. So instead of a typical salesperson trying to get someone over the line, we're like, Hey, we're going to do these group demos. We're going to do these like one quick call consultation, almost like back to the roots of where I started. Uh, and then not do any follow-up or just doing very minimal follow-up. Um, and we call that like our, like buyer assist process versus like a sales driven process. So tracking back when we had the sales one with two salespeople, um, that was like a traditional commission based model, like a, like you have a salary and you have some commission, but over the past year we have spun up a new, like that, that middle area where we have a CS person that just does group calls just as really helpful. Um, and, and has maybe one call with people and, and, and some follow-up. Nice. So this is a little off topic, but I am intensely curious about what you're, you have 16 full-time employees. Mm -hmm. So the transition were were you, a, you were a developer? Uh, yes, I was, I started, I built like the initial versions. Um, yeah. So I, I come from a development background and started with that. So how did you learn how to manage hire, even like salary? Like how, how was that? building it out? I mean, what was that transition like for you going from software to people, business stuff? Uh, well, I did have a tip into kind of some business stuff previous to starting Referral Rock. So I ha did have like some software consulting businesses with just, just myself, not large. Um, okay. you know, I had maybe like two people, maybe two other developers working for me. So there's kind of that, I can do my taxes, I can do all those things. <laughs> so, you know, those, those I knew through referral rock. Um, okay. And then even pre, 
the consulting, um, I was a developer at another company and then worked my way up into be like to, to manage, manage developers. Um, I was, I think the last role I had that was not paid by myself was technically, I think I was the director of technical operations at a benefits administration company that we built software for. And it was like a first dev there. So I kind of worked my way over more towards the business side after, after like leading the dev teams and different stuff like that. So. Okay. It just seems like a big transition. That's what so, I Anyway, if that helps, <laughs> just like, yeah, I mean, I guess there was a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, whenever people see me or meet me, it's like, I'm probably, you know, I'm older than I look with my Asian genes, I suppose. Um, but uh, there's, there's a lot of that. And then also we've grown organically, right? So it yeah. wasn't like, boom, all of a sudden, two years into referral rock, I have 16 people. It was, you know, people, if you talk to other founders that have been through this, it's, it's like, okay, first you are managing two or three people that were extensions of yourself. Right. And then, you know, the next big step is like, okay, how do I now perform this magic trick to where we have like two people working in an area and one person's like kind of the lead and not really a team. It's like, where do you go from this flat structure into sort of a more hierarchical structure to where you have managers or you have leaders and all of that has just taken time and each even each department or area that I talked about had gone through different parts of that like marketing was pretty much like me and one other person for a really long time and then like I talked about how the sales and customer success area grew and that one you know, we sometimes you had to push forward to grow out of needing redundancy and and like coverage of time and things like that. Um, and then you, you know, another area for dev was like me bringing on a tech lead. Um, but that was actually after I brought on my first developer because uh, I brought on a first developer under me who was just helping me execute. And then later on, I brought in a tech lead to kind of start managing the team and build out kind of more of the like you know, to, to handle more developers, to manage the other developers, to put some actual structure in place versus, you know, me just, you know, pushing code to production myself. I, I have a question about something you mentioned earlier. So you mentioned how when you first started trying to hire someone to do sales, it sounds like it was a little bit rocky and took you some time to to hire the, the, the person who ended up becoming a partner and becoming a really good fit. And I feel like it's worth drilling in on that because I learned recently that that's a very common experience. Um, I was talking to Harris Kenny, and well, I don't know if it was at Founder Summit or is on Twitter. It all blends together at this point. Um, <laughs> but um, he, you know, he runs a sort of sales as a service kind of thing, um, and he was saying how most of his clients have several failed sales hires before they come to him that it's like it's like really hard to hire um a good salesperson and you know I recognize that you may not um you may not want to dive too much into the sort of the specific situations of, of what happened with the people that didn't work out but I'm curious like you know is there anything you wish you had known about hiring your first salesperson um, that, you know, that, that, that took you some fits and starts to figure out that maybe you wouldn't have had to go through that if you had known it. Sure. Yeah. I mean that I'm, I'm, 
I'm perfectly happy to talk about it. I just feel like this is one of those topics I've talked about a lot in the past, but obviously not on this podcast, but <laughs> perfectly happy to dive in. Um, what the first, so tracking back in that part of the story, it was like after me, and that was the whole, like, I didn't think what I was doing with sales. I just thought I was just being helpful. And I had that mindset of like, oh, like, like the guy at the car dealership, that's like a sales guy. I've worked in organizations that have these, you know, that have had salespeople. And it was like, they go to conferences, they do this, this is the way they talk, you know, this like. The like, Patagonia vest wearers. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> I'm just like, a, I'm just like. I just built the product and I'm helping people like that's and and so my first hire for that sales role um pre the one I found that I said that had worked out <laughs> very well um was a person that looked and talked like a salesperson and you know they're like yeah I could sell anything like I I sell the SMBs I think if I recall her previous work was she would do SMB sales she would go to restaurants and like go to the restaurants and talk to them and build relationship, build, build candor, build rapport, um, and, and, you know, sell the product. So that was like her tact. And I was like, okay, great. Let's, let's you're a real salesperson. Let's give you a shot. Um, so I like redirected all the demo requests to her and I recorded myself doing some, and then I kind of handed it off to her. And honestly, like it was just, what I realized, what I didn't realize was how large a gap it was in terms of her needing to understand the the product to relate it to customers and all of these things. It was like, oh, okay, you you really don't know much about the product. And I tried to explain it to her and we went through all of these types of things. So one, she was a traditional kind of salesperson. Now, she, could she have been successful if we had the right like onboarding in place or it wasn't just like a Hey, you're just going to slot in and replace me. And this is what I did. So kind of just do what I did or uh, go do your thing. And it, it, there was like a large gap. And that was probably the biggest mistake um, for her and for myself, just not knowing like just what that, what, where, where, where the transition point really was. Um, and then when I did find the other person, it was more of an entrepreneurial type of person. His name is Micah, by the way. I don't mean to, it's, it's easier to probably say names than this person and that person. So um, Micah, who's still with me, you know, he came in and the biggest thing he kind of joked about was like, uh, it's funny, if you ever meet him, he doesn't have like much of an, like a, an ego per se. But one of the first statements he said, he's like, I could do everything you could do, but sell or oh, sorry, but built, but write code. And I'm like, okay, like, all right, <laughs> like, let's say, you know, here, here's the challenge, you know, go ahead and just hear some recordings and go wild. And the biggest thing he could do was be consultative and be adapting to the customers. And then also that first thing of like, he knew he didn't know and would happily be like, I don't know, let me find out. And those were some of like the early parts of the traits that he was just looking to relate to the customers, looking to bridge that gap between them. And I think the biggest challenge is like, that's not what I looked for initially. Like the whole thing with the other salesperson, I was like, she sounds like a salesperson. She's done a sales job. And coming to that realization that Micah's approach was much like mine approach. And I was like, oh, this is selling. This is like consultative selling. This is different. This isn't ramming something down someone's throat and all of these things. And this can work and this can scale outside of just 
just me. It sounds like it was important for you to realize that you know, the the salesperson, I mean, in talking about our businesses too, like the salesperson not only needs to align with how you conceptualize sales, even if you don't have a particularly strong sales, you know, strategy or philosophy yourself, right? Um, but also that, you know, how your business is set up, right? Like a business that's very SEO based, that's entirely inbound is a very different business where then one where you've got to go out like pounding the pavement. And it sounds like the approach of Micah is really one that just kind of jived more with the business model, um, as it already was rather than kind of pivoting to more of an outbound approach. And, and it being difficult for you as a manager to like really support that person in that role too, because it, because it just kind of wasn't aligned with, with how you thought about just the concepts of selling in general. Yeah, I'd, I definitely agree with that. I think it, it makes me like, what, as you were saying it, it was like, I didn't know that how important the, the alignment needed to be at that time, because I thought sales was this black box and I need a black box. Right. And so I think, once I did come to terms with what I was, what I was doing is, is a way of selling. And again, that Micah was in alignment from a, like a cultural standpoint, from an approach standpoint, all of those things, then it kind of, that was more important than the actual, like what I, what, what I, the, the, the things I didn't know that I thought I didn't know, if that made sense. Thank you so much for coming by today, Josh. It's been really interesting talking to you about uh, scaling up sales. Uh, we kind of set this up that like Colleen could ask questions and then we just talked together. Um, but um, if if anyone has, has questions for either of us about um, doing sales, um, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Worksighted, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabel developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, 
Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from Recruit Kit.